Welcome to the First Congregational Church of Western Springs podcast, Unraveled. Here, storytellers will reflect on what Unraveled means and how God was present during this time. We hope that by sharing these stories, others will find strength to carry on during difficult times and know that God is always present. Today's story is entitled, Uncovering Whiteness, and is told by Hope Mayer. Hello, my name is Hope Mayer, formerly known as Hope Spangler, and I've grown up in this church. I have been a regular usher for my usher captain, Father Don Spangler. I've gone to Sunday school, choir, bell choir. Um, I was even in a pageant or two in the early days, but I really found my calling when I joined Plymouth Fellowship in high school, and now I've returned as an adult leader, and I've had the privilege of going on three work tours as an adult. So when asked to tell a story for this Unraveled series this summer, I assumed and I think most of you who know me at church would assume that I would be telling a story about my experience in PF. The truth is, PF is amazing. Shout out to Mike Tilden. I have made lifelong friends and cherish all the memories I have through the service work that we've done, outreach opportunities, um, and still continue to love being a part of it to this day. But since the quarantine has started, um, I really wanted to talk about my current experiences with the pandemic, um, being a teacher through the whole e-learning process, um, and ultimately landed on the systematic racism that still exists in our country and how I'm educating myself and found that I feel it's my calling to educate others about this. So I'll start back in February of 2020, when we were actually in a somewhat normal school setting. I was working with a student one-to-one in my math intervention classroom. So I was sitting next to a student trying to help them with a problem. Um, And there are about 26 kids in there. And these two girls were talking extremely loud and laughing and just being really loud and and I couldn't help the student I was sitting next to. And so my patience was basically gone and so as I always do with disruptive students, I give them a few reminders, like say, please keep your conversations at a volume to where I can't hear them, thank you. And I said something this day like, hey, I can hear you across the room and I can't even hear myself think, please stop talking. And so the black female student responded with, you're only yelling at me because I'm black. Those boys have been talking over there the whole class period and you haven't said a word to them. I was stunned. I didn't know what to say. So I played it off as sarcasm and said something like, yes, uh uh-huh, you're right. That's the only reason why I told you to be quiet. 
I'm a special education teacher at Hinsdale South in Darien, which some may not realize has a very diverse population of students. Um, as a student body of around 1,400 kids, about 30% are low income, 19% black, 14% Hispanic, 10% Asian, and 56% white. Now this is a big change from how it used to be around 15 to 20 years ago. Um, this has been a major shift. As much as I loved attending LT and McClure, I definitely did not experience attending a diverse school growing up. LT has three black, 3% three black students, 20% um, Hispanic and 72% white. And out of their 4,000 students, only 12% were considered low income. And before anyone gets offended, uh, these are all approximate numbers. I got them from the Illinois Interactive Report Card for 2018-2019, so I don't want to get anybody worked up. But you get the idea. Um, my professional environment now is much more diverse than the environment I grew up in. And so during my fourth year at South, all the staff participated in a two-day Beyond Diversity training. They brought a trainer in, um, and we had two full days of workshop. And this was the first time anything of significance about diversity had come about in my professional career. So I was super excited. and. It was in this training that I first learned about the term whiteness and really started to scratch the surface of what white privilege really meant. I remember thinking of examples in the workshop and answering questions in what I think now is a completely racist way, obviously unknowingly. Um, but one of the questions I specifically remember was, why do you think our black students perform lower than our white students? And this is just true for the country, but it was also true for our particular school. Um, and we were sitting in little groups of staff members, and I remember that one of the reasons my group came up with, we were all white, um, was that most black students grow up with single working, single parents, moms who don't have time to devote to helping their students at home with schoolwork. And so after this comment, the one black staff member in the room said, I'm not a single mom, and I grew up with a mom and a dad who are still married and middle class. And I was, as you can imagine, horrified. Um, horrified at the thought of offending someone unintentionally and basically kept my mouth shut the rest of the training. But those two days were the only time we ever talked about diversity. So it basically never got brought up again. Um, not even at the beginning of this year. It was never brought up with students. We were never instructed on how to address it with students or anything of that sort. Um, and so I kind of felt like it was a, okay, the administrators can tell you know, people that we've gone through a diversity training, but didn't really feel prepared. Um, 
so I've, in this quarantine, um, felt that I really needed to educate myself more about diversity. And so I read a whole book, which for some of you who know me, this is a huge deal. I am not a reader. So this book is called Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You by Jason Reynolds. I really recommend it. Um, a group of coworkers were reading it and getting a book club together to talk about it and how it can help us as educators in our school district. And so I decided to read it. So a couple things that the book taught me was it defines a racist idea as anything that suggests something is wrong or right, superior or inferior, better or worse about a racial group. And an anti-racist idea is anything that suggests that racial groups are equals. So they also introduce some vocabulary about um, racist ideas like assimilationists, segregationalists, and anti-racists. This is how the book described it, direct quote. Segregationalists are haters, like real haters, people who hate you for not being like them. Assimilationists are people who like you, but only with quotation marks, like like you, meaning they like you because you're like them. And then they're anti-racists. They love you because you're like you. So this kind of really made me feel like I wanted to revamp my thinking and make sure that I was following these anti-racist ideas. So I feel that through this unraveling process of COVID-19, the murder of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many others, I've truly dedicated myself to becoming an anti-racist. Now, Reynolds specifically says in the book that it's possible to jump between these three ideas all in one day, um, which a lot of people in history had done um, that he talks about in the book as well. But in the midst of chaos in this country, I feel that God has shown me that there are good things happening in this world. For example, the peaceful protests, the banning of Confederate flags, the white celebrities in power who have handed their social media platforms to black people of um, power or business to promote their ideas. And... Um, for some reason, when the protests began, I didn't know how to feel because I felt like guilty I hadn't attended a protest and that for some reason the only way I thought people would know I cared is if I posted to social media that I was like at a protest. Um, but now I found that what I believe my role is in this is to educate others especially my students on systematic racism, systemic racism, and how this is definitely a difficult topic to weave into solving one and two step equations in my algebra one classes. Um, I'm determined to find the time to talk to my students about it and teach them, even if it happens once a month. I feel now that I have the tools to better handle the situation with the student I had told to be quiet, I look forward to those uncomfortable interactions in the future because that is truly how we learn.
I'm part of a group of teachers fighting for change in my district moving forward. We want more opportunities for staff to be trained on multiculturalism. I'm also taking graduate courses to extend my master's degree, and I'm currently taking a course on multiculturalism and building equity in the classroom. So e-learning during that pandemic was a challenge for everyone, but it really showed the economic and racial disparities we have in the state and the country. And it really made me want to help my school district and help make schools more equitable. So I'm committed to being involved and learning more and sharing more. Overall, 2020 has not been anything anyone could have imagined. It's been a roller coaster of emotions for me. I've gone from feeling scared to getting about getting sick to feeling bad that I'm getting a stimulus check when I didn't even lose my job, to feeling frustrated with all of e-learning, to feeling empowered, to finally feeling empowered and eager to learn more. I've always strived to see the positive in any situation, and this year is no different for me. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable, speak your truth, recognize and check your privilege, And I feel these things will get me through the rest of 2020 and beyond. Thank you for listening to the First Congregational Churches podcast, Unraveled. Tune in next week for a story that you won't want to miss.